Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed, no sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. He is currently the head football coach of the University of Michigan Wolverines and a former player. His dad and brother are also former players and coaches, but there is more to them than just football. It's time to talk about attacking life each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. This is Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast with Jim Harbaugh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Ira Weintraub here with coaches Jim and Jack Harbaugh. Our director of recruiting, Matt Dudick, is here. Producer McKenzie is here as well. Really looking forward to our preview of the football team's upcoming trip to South Africa with Pulitzer Prize winning and Michigan football photographer David Turnley. Jack Talk will return next week in an extended form here on the podcast. A reminder, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen via the Podcast One app or on podcastone.com. And please follow us and contact us on Twitter at AEDpodcast or using hashtag Jack Talk. So, Coach, figure we jump in, talk a little NFL draft. A great weekend for your guys. Uh, five guys taken in the draft, seven other guys that signed undrafted rookie free agents. So, the next step in those careers, guys, we talked about, of course, last week with Adam Schefter here on the podcast, but now they move on to that next stage. Yeah, it was a super exciting uh, draft as a whole. I, I either watched it or followed uh, every pick on my phone and, you know, thrilled for Devin Bush. Uh, going 10th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Rashawn Gary, 12th overall to the Green Bay Packers and, um, you know, texted, texted Don Brown. Wow. I mean, uh, I mean, there's, there's two in the top 12. That's a, uh, that's a great accomplishment. And then uh, David Long and Chase Winovich, both going in the third round, Chase to the New England Patriots and David to the Los Angeles Rams, uh, also, great great situations for for each each of those young men. They're in there, um, and they're really appreciated by by all the teams that that drafted them. Had nice messages from from each of those teams, and um, and then uh, seeing Jack Zach Gentry go in the the fifth round that was uh, also very exciting. Also to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, and then all the guys that uh, were drafted in the uh, or that signed free agent contracts. Those are. Those are wonderful opportunities as well. So, uh, about twelve total, or uh, was that? Uh, so I know Higgins to Houston, eight. Brandon Watson to Jacksonville, Brian Monet to Seattle, Juwan Bushel Beatty to Washington, uh, Lawrence Marshall to Chicago, Tyree Kendall to Cincinnati, Wilton Spate to San Francisco, and it, it's evolving. Uh, and Ian Bunting to the, the Bears. Oh, yeah. Ian Bunting to the Bears. Yeah, the, and the list obviously you know continues to evolve in that uh, in that aspect. The thing that oh, really impressed me watching it was. Uh, Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. they had him on a, uh, they brought him on to, to speak. And of course, uh, Rich Eisen, he was talking about Michigan. And he brought it up just kind of a, how about those Michigan guys? Mm-hmm. And I want you to know, Mike Tomlin took that and ran with it for, it seemed like two or three minutes, yep. talking about Michigan and the value of Michigan, walking when you walk by the Schimbeckler statue, yep. you know what this university core is. Core values. Core, he mentioned core values. And the academics. Oh, my goodness. And I thought to myself, this is about as good yep. as you could get as an endorsement for a university and for a football program. Matt Dudek should tweet that out, including the recruiting <clears throat> package. I uh, was were already tweeted about a moment after I saw it on Twitter. It's on, it's uh, on, on, it's on, on Twitter. <laughs> I, I've, seen it, I've seen it several times. The one thing he said was, you know, and this is what an ultimate compliment, you know, is – what attracts the core values and the football that attracts people to kids to Michigan is the same thing that the They're Steelers looking are looking for. And I, I mean, taking that and listening to that, I mean, that's that's no bigger compliment. Didn't he that. talk about Zach Gentry too? Here's a young man that's a quarterback in New Mexico yep. and chooses a school like the University of Michigan. Speaks to its core values and and to what yep. the what the football program and the university is all about. Yep, absolutely. And then talking about when even when Coach Tomlin visited us last summer, uh, came up to a camp, and then he's been on the podcast since. And you know, he, he said when he was here, the feeling when you walk into Schembechler Hall and and just that just that aura, the tradition, and the just that that feeling you get. I mean, that's 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 pretty good. And a little sidelight on that is where I watched that 
And then the phone rang, and it was John Harbaugh. Yeah. He said, did you hear Mike Tomlin <laughs> talk, about the, talk about the university band? You got to understand now, we – that's Pittsburgh a rivalry. That's a rivalry. Baltimore. We're talking about a little bit of rivalry, yep. but John said, "You got to get that. You got to get that out there. You got to. You got use that as a re, as a recruiting tool." Thank you, Coach. And John. then and then John got on, and they were talking about the Ravens. How when Ozzy was drafting, how he yeah Alabama, uh, Alabama, Alabama, and now uh, kind of a new Oklahoma with Eric DeCosta, and it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And John was, hold on. He said, we like Michigan, too. We like Michigan here in Baltimore. We're not. Hey, did we, did we call our shot now? We, we, t- we talked about this on the podcast in the, in the draft preview. Justice Hill, running back from Oklahoma State, whose brother Dax is coming to the University mm-hmm. of Michigan to be a freshman safety this fall. Did we not say that the you did. Baltimore said- needed running backs and what a great fit that would be, I think, when, uh, we when did, Mr. When, Hill was on yeah. the, yeah, when, was on when the his show. parents were on the podcast. And I texted him shortly after it happened that I said, I think history has been made. I don't think in the history of football there have been two brothers playing, one in the NFL and one in college, who are their head coaches are brothers. <laughs> I think you, the Hills yep. and the Harbaugh's might have made history. Oh, let's go. I like it. That's they love him. We called our shot. It was like the uh, <laughs> like Babe Ruth. Like the Babe. <laughs> Standing out there at, uh, in the, at the Chicago Cubs. My, my son Jack's been reading. Uh, he's read two books now uh, on Babe Ruth. One was uh, just titled The Babe. And then we watched the movie. We watched the movie ah, yeah. with John Goodman. John Goodman. That's a good yeah. one. Great, That's a good great movie. But and then another one called "Who Who Was Babe Ruth?" I think he was reading it. But the uh, the Dax uh, Dax brother uh, Justice, they're so excited because speed. He's the yeah. fastest in the yeah. combine. He he ran a four four. They love him on special teams. Now, if I'm a running back in college football and mm-hmm. I want a chance to get drafted highly anymore, you better be able to convince those teams that you're willing and able to play special teams because running backs are an interesting breed right now as it relates to to where they're going in the draft. I talked about that uh, over the last few days, that and running backs in particular, but skill guys in general, isn't that how a really good way, an undrafted guy or maybe a later drafted guy, you want to get noticed. Go out there and be a gunner. Go out there and play on kick return. Go out there and play on kickoff and play. Because you may not be one of the 22 starters, but you can start on two, three, four different special teams units and jump right in and make a job that way until you can earn your way up a depth chart to start as one of the 22 on offense or defense. There's no, there's no question about it. I mean, all linebackers, running backs, receivers, safeties, corners, tight ends, defensive linemen, all have to play special teams and a quarterback back in the late eighties for the bears. <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, but it's on every NFL team. If you're not a starter, you've got to be able to play special teams. And then even the, and it's and if the, the better you are on special teams, then you can make that roster and then you can develop as a backup player into a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will, it will be the thing that, that uh, gets you drafted over another player. It'll get the. It, it's the thing that keeps you on the roster. It's the thing that keeps you in the league for, for um, multiple years. So, um, is there a reluctance by the college coaches? You have a running back. I guess if you had a premier type running back, you'd be reluctant to use him on the special teams. When you Jim, the coach might might not. In college, yeah. If there's a yeah, if there's a player that's that you just can't afford to to lose kind of situation but uh but we we in college play our best players i mean especially on the punt i mean the punt team that's that's the one that can win or lose a game so you put your best 11 on the on the punt team so you should be if you're one of the best 11 you're going to play in the punt team regardless so when when players don't play special teams in college football then you you start to wonder why as a as a pro coach are they are they reluctant to or uh, are they not good enough? So neither neither answer is a good one. Uh, so definitely players should play on the special teams. I guess the only acceptable one is the head coach chose to not let me do it. That would be fine because that doesn't reflect on the player that goes to the program protecting the players. Yeah, not getting hurt, which what you were talking about before. Or also and to be able to say that and say yes and and. Then go look at my junior and sophomore and Correct, freshman earlier, year. Right, yeah. That's when I played special teams. Yeah. Coach wouldn't let me play it my yeah. my third year or my fourth year. And it's a great uh, point. 
but you want uh, that on tape at yeah, some point yeah. in your career. Yeah, I mean the the coach wouldn't let me play. Then we're going to say, well, when did you play? You know, did you 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 played your sophomore year, right? Or you played your freshman year? Uh, no, I didn't. Why? You know, well, I wasn't good enough, or <laughs> I was reluctant to. Yeah. Neither one of those answers is going to be a good one. Well, I'm really looking forward to in our next segment to talk to uh, to David Turnley um, as we preview our South Africa trip. Coach, you, I, I once about a year and a half ago, I was at a speaking engagement. Your dad spoke first. David Turnley spoke second. I had to speak third. <laughs> that was not a great spot to be. Do not follow Jack Harbaugh and David Turnley if you're trying to captivate a room because those two guys can tell stories like nobody's business. And I, I, I didn't like being in that position at all. I was like, can I please lead off so these guys can go after me and then elevate? I don't want to follow them. What was, your, what was your topic? It was Ohio State Week. So I was talking about you know being there for your team and supporting the program and being excited about Ohio State Week and things along that level, You know the games that have come before and at any moment it's gonna, the rivalry flips, that kind of thing. Well, how did, how did it go? Don't be modest. Did you I come in remember. and did, did you knock their socks off after the uh, – You have to ask your dad. I, I, I'm my heart stick around for Ira's uh... – He did. I did and was humbled. <laughs> I was humbled to be in the. You program. were happy that you went first because yeah, you didn't have yeah, to follow. I, got, I didn't have to follow. Yeah. I didn't have to get up and make that statement. How does a man possibly, you know, follow? Uh, David, I, I, mean, I mean, your dad was great, and then David Turnley comes up and talks about his friend Nelson Mandela. I'm like, <laughs> we're, okay, I'm toast. I know Sam Webb. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah, I'm toast after Nelson Mandela. Is, That's is the end of that. We all have the same with David Turnley. The same. You're in the presence of greatness. Yes. Agreed. And you just listen to him talk and, and his experiences, and he and you think to my, yourself, how is it possible that I'm in the same on the in the same in the, in the presence of this greatness? He is the most interesting man in the world. I mean, his stories are so come out so casually. You're like, oh yeah, so I was filming in a war zone. Bullets were whipping past my head, and it's just like comes out so casual. It's like, wait, that's that. There's more to this story. I mean, that's not a casual everyday situation. If, if somebody's looking for a speaker, they should they should yes. hire David Turnley. His presentations are amazing, and they come they come with photographs. They uh, come with PowerPoint. I mean, it's and he. He he talks so well. Uh, I would advise anybody yeah, looking for genuine. a guest speaker. Yeah, he's uh, and anyone that can laugh after being shot at, he's going to be uh, in a war zone. He's going to make for a great speech. He does a terrific job. Looking forward to talking to him next year on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every car comes with its share of stories: the ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you can know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer set in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Now time for our guest segment here on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, and really been looking forward to this, our South Africa preview with David Turnley. And in, Coach, in a building full of – and a campus full of really impressive people, doesn't get a whole lot more impressive than David Turnley and the Pulitzer Prize and all the other things that are on his resume. Well, how many people have uh, won a Pulitzer Prize on campus? Uh, I know he's the only person in the football organization <laughs> that has, and uh, uh, David Turnley – Professor here at the University of Michigan and dear friend uh, has been uh, invaluable uh, to our team on every way, pro- professional level, but uh, the relationship le- level, uh, and not just with me, with, with players, with staff. I mean, David will, uh, will talk to, to every person and treats everybody uh, just like they're the most important person uh, in the room and he's he's a he's an amazing guy an amazing uh great husband and father and uh friend david uh we love you so much and and to think like every player that has played here at the university of michigan has a picture you know of of their time and multiple pictures each person can go back and and uh and someday you know put that picture of them whether they were practicing uh, or training or working out, uh, they're going to have a picture that they can put in a frame, put on the wall, uh, or put on their desk and uh, remind them of their time here at Michigan. And, 
and uh, in so many different ways, David. I mean, that's that's the thing that's impressed me. I mean, guys with their friends, guys playing, guys training. Um, you know, just just a wonderful thing that they'll have to look back on five, ten, twenty, forty years from now. I think that's uh, it's a it's a remarkable thing, and and also the um, amount of people that uh, he's taught here at the University of Michigan and and been friends with. It's just been. Yeah, an amazing friend to have in David Turnley. Welcome to the podcast after that introduction. Uh, thank you. Couldn't really uh, receive a better series of accolades, Coach. Thanks so much. Um, I remember when I came here to teach. Um, well, actually, let me bring in another, obviously. Uh, another Harbaugh. Another Harbaugh. David was a player. <laughs> David played at the University of Michigan. Thank you, Coach. Uh, playing is a, a, is a little bigger of a verb than what I really did, but I was honored to be a very brief walk-on, um, and in fact, it was my first year as a walk-on was, was it your first year? 73, Jack, I believe. 73, um, and I remember handsome Jack as Ooh. the defensive back coach. Don't hear that very often. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, And uh, but really, the where I wanted to go with this was really very little about my time as a walk-on or my prowess, but the, the brief time I spent as a walk-on and in the locker room with the quality of players that I had the honor to rub shoulders with at that time always has stayed with me. Um, everything I've done, I think it's set a standard of excellence and aspiration. I was really proud to come to the University of Michigan from Indiana, um, really proud of the tradition of the university. And then when I got to the football program, and as brief as it was, to see the truth, which is that when men come here to play football, football is obviously an important part of what they're doing at the university, but they're becoming extraordinary men. And you know, I, I feel all the time like I need to remind people the obvious. This football team produces presidents, mm -hmm. amazing coaches that have coached in Super Bowl games, um, CEOs of big companies. I mean, there's and, and I think that kind of also ties into these trips that we're doing that I'm so proud of and, and really proud of the man that Coach Harbaugh is and his thinking about, and really I think who, yeah, let me quickly just say, when Coach came to coach, it was about a year after I had come here to teach, and we had not met, but I certainly was well aware of Jim and John Harbaugh and their legacies as a player, as a coach, and, and I started I started looking at some interviews online to, to get a sense of, who Jim is, and um, of course, it's not as if I understood who he is from interviews, but I, I learned a lot very quickly, and I was really quickly impressed. Um, and then I thought, I was impressed just by how smart he is and how he would field questions. He, you know, being in a position where you're fielding questions all the time is not an easy deal, and I was so impressed how he answers questions very thoughtfully and steers away from things he doesn't want to talk about, but talks about what he does want to talk about really thoughtfully. Um, and then I sort of understood very quickly what it must be like, given his relationship with his brother and uh, having a twin brother myself, who's an outstanding photographer, and knowing the kind of competition we've had our whole life. I mean, just cutthroat competition. <laughs> I the had to photo of the year. You guys, it came down to both of you, right? I mean, yeah. The, oh wow, the photograph of the year, and both both had the same picture of. Uh, the the in, casket in and an earthquake uh, in the aftermath of an earthquake in Armenia. So they both had this this I mean the same picture but from, from different vantage points and and they were both the uh, the the two the finalist for photo of the year and David ended up winning the uh, the photo of the year and that was one of the first stories I you know when I first met David when I had been here maybe a couple months and uh, he told me what he wanted to do and that was to to photograph the team was and said that he was going to be here every day every every game and um i remember we, we even started on on twitter at the time we were doing a photo of the day mm -hmm. uh very quickly we're doing that and then uh and he showed me this piece uh, uh there's a 60 minutes piece if you want to talk about uh, david and his brother uh they were featured on 60 minutes like who is it morley safer or uh yeah it was steve croft steve croft so in this picture there they're documenting Peter Turnley and David Turnley, and there's unbelievable footage of, of war images and, and, and action in this video. And 
bullets are whizzing by, you know, the the head of of David and this cameraman that are that's following David in this in this wartime, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And uh, just one quick story. Um, so then David started photoing the team, and uh, spring practice were about a week in. We we were scrimmaging, and uh, somebody broke a play. I think it was um, Davion Smith. Broke one up the middle, and he's running through the secondary, and he's about 25 yards downfield. And then he's got to make a turn, not to avoid a, a safety, <laughs> but he had to make a jump cut to avoid David Turnley, who's l- laying prone on the ground, <laughs> you know, on his stomach, taking pictures of, of this play developing. And uh, Davion avoided, have juked him. And I, you know, I had to go over and, hey, David. Uh, how'd, that, how'd that picture I know you're turn used, out? I know you used to bullets whizzing by your head, but we really don't want to get Flying into the players. Tweets. It's not so much I'm worried about you getting hurt. It's I, I don't want to see a player yeah. get hurt. On yeah, the, no, I, got it. I got it. I felt, I, I felt fairly embarrassed, but the picture was actually very good. <laughs> Uh, it's been great. I mean, some of the uh, the, the fans out there that want to know about David Turnley need to find that piece. Get a hold of that piece. Sixty, 60 minute piece. piece tells it all. It's got to be on YouTube. Some sure it's on YouTube. You have well, got it before you before you finish or when you finish with this broadcast with this podcast. Go and look at that, and I'll guarantee you, you will have an. Un- it'll pop right up. G- yeah. Google. We'll uh, tweet it for everybody. Sixty well, minutes. Tweet it for Do it. We'll put, it, we'll put yep. it on the uh, the tweet of the podcast. But some amazing memories, David. We've been we've been everywhere. Uh, we? It's I been mean, a total honor for me every day. Um, can't speak highly enough about the Harbaugh family. Feel like I'm with my own family when I'm with the Harbaugh's. Um, we've had so some highlights. I mean, <laughs> we go back to the uh, satellite days, satellite camps. Uh. We did, uh, I think I did 56. I don't know how many David did. He did at least, <laughs> did a lot of them. Uh, at least as many. And we were, we were in, uh, Selma, Alabama. Yeah. I think that was my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. And, um, yeah. We walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge together. Also, and, and you and I were talking earlier, but also, uh, you were with them in Paris before the team trip, but you were with them in Paris. And that obviously hits yeah. really close to home with mm-hmm. the fire recently. Yeah. So we, I happened to be over there teaching a summer abroad program and coach and his wife, Sarah came over for a brief vacation, and we had gone to Notre Dame, as you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I have pictures in the in the first book we did from that first season. There's a picture that I like very much of Coach and his wife Sarah praying in the cathedral. Quickly, if I can just go back to, there was one moment that I wanted to talk about when we did first meet, and Coach was watching that 60 Minutes piece, and he was very excited about the live gunfire that I was in the midst of, and Coach gets very enthusiastic, and he's kind of jumping around. And I said, Coach, how is, how is that different than these 300-pound linemen that have been chasing you around the backfield? Big difference. As a quarterback. <laughs> they don't have bullets and guns. <laughs> Hopefully. Did, I never asked you. Did you, did you wear a flak jacket? Did you have Did a- sometimes. Not always, but I did a lot. We called them secondhand vests. The problem with flak jackets is they're heavy as hell. And so in the world of photojournalists, you're always trying to find the thinnest but still effective secondhand vest. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have definitely worn those and have been saved by one of those a few times. Wow. Um, once in Chechnya when I was pinned against the wall for about four hours in a full-out wow. shelling. Um, and you got, but, tell, tell, tell your uh, Tiananmen, am I pronouncing this way? Yeah. T- yeah. Tiananmen Square. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, Square. that's coming up June th- the night of June 3rd, uh, 1989, was the night after the 2 million ch- Chinese students over the course of two months had taken over the square. And then finally, we knew eventually the Chinese government would put it down. We didn't know quite how. And, and on the afternoon of June 3rd, the Chinese army came into town in massive convoys, and I rushed to the square. And within the first few minutes... I there are bicycles everywhere in China, and then there were bikes all over Tiananmen Squares in the midst of all these people. And I could see there were about a thousand troops already in the middle of the square. So I I jumped up on the on a parked bicycle to get a an elevated position to make a photograph. And I suddenly saw in my lens as I'm photographing about ten soldiers see me, and it was as if they'd just seen their prey, and they started running towards me and I saw my life sort of going in front of my eyes and I jumped off and started running and you really don't do that 
that's the worst thing to do and with authorities is to run from them. But in this case, it seemed life or death. And I'm running and it felt like I was breaking tackles. There were literally <laughs> soldiers like jumping at my legs and I'm breaking through. And they finally managed to get two of my cameras off my, my neck. And when that happened, they felt like they had what they wanted. And I kept running. I turned and they were just making dust out of the cameras. Mm. And then I got back to a hotel and a friend gave me another camera. And I went straight back and I didn't know that I, it was curious the whole night as the troops had driven the soldiers or the troops had driven the students off the square and there were flames every there. The students had, had lit the convoys of military vehicles on fire. And then by about four in the morning, the troops sort of lined up across an avenue and the students lined up in front of them about a hundred yards away. And every 15 minutes they would mow into the front line of the, of the students and the front line would go down. Mm. And I was in the second line of the students photographing this and the students would collect the bodies and then run them back. And by when sun sort of then rose at about seven thirty, these millions of students finally realized it's over for now. And, and that was the end of the student movement in 1989. And it's pretty interesting because I teach a lot of Chinese students in my classes. They don't know anything about wow. that. Mm. It's just not talked about. It's kept out of the history. Books. Yeah. But uh, wow. David was there uh, when we uh, we met the Pope. That's one of my favorite stories. Pope. One of my favorite stories of David's. Got a hand up, Dad? I do. The all-time <laughs> great move, football move, was by David Turnley when you and Sarah and jump in here at any time, David. You were waiting on the line with no guarantee that you were going to have any kind of exposure or dialogue right. with the with the Pope, right? That's correct. David was with you. On your left, on your left flank, <laughs> David kind of helped us get up into the. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. The, greatest. the part that I love was David. Tell the story. The Pope is moving down the line as we look to our left. You're on Jim's left. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, I put on a nice suit because I figured I might have to do some some dipping and diving to get near Coach and his wife. I knew that they had come over with a helmet and a pair of shoes, which I had been trying to pre-visualize what could be the most interesting picture, and that never occurred to me. <laughs> and when somebody told me that you were bringing a helmet and shoes to give to the public, I, I just, there's no way I'm not going to try to get that picture. <laughs> and so, nevertheless, it was it was a little delicate because there was a certain decorum that I had to respect. Coach was being... So he and Sarah were led to where the football players were all seated in front of this massive, you know, group of human beings there to to witness. Um, papal address? Yeah, the papal address. And then at the last minute, I saw some fancy people in suits lead coach and his wife, Sarah, to the front right along this podium where the Pope would be. So that's where I knew I had to make my move. But at the same time, I didn't want to embarrass Coach by getting suddenly arrested. (laughs) So I had to be really careful about that. And I stayed about 15 people back, but somehow slipped through. And they were led right up to the corner. I I could get about 20 people from them. And then it was sort of musical chairs trading with these ambassadors to get as close as I could. But again, I didn't want to draw too much attention to Coach. So, well, Pope gives his address and... uh, it's game time, <laughs> and uh, I've been trying to monitor how that how we're going to get right up to because it's like being on the goal line, but still being really far away. I mean, we still had to get through like three layers of people for this to come together. And all I can remember, Coach Jack, is we as it really got to crunch time, I had gotten pretty close to Coach, and I remember looking over, and I I remember saying, because I was kind of proud of myself, I said, Coach, it's, I think we got about 10 seconds on the clock, and we're on the goal line. <laughs> and you said, I feel you. And then it just came together, and it involved sort of my making a little slip into the front and elbowing a, a few ambassadors to make this space happen, and then Sarah and Coach just moved right in. It was awesome. I couldn't and believe then, it. And, worked. Then, and then you moved into the opening that you had blocked those ambassadors off from that space to get the the famous the picture of Jim handling handing uh, over was, the football or the helmet and the shoes and Sarah kissing the ring of the. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I remember Coach asked me as we were walking away, he said, "How'd that how'd that go?" And I said, "Coach, that was as." Good as anything, but Nelson Mandela walking out of prison. <laughs> then we high fived, and I was really proud. And it was uh, 
They were there at Normandy and yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, every game we've ever played and uh, and got a great one of my favorite pictures is um, after the Citrus Bowl with Jake Rudock and, and J- little, little Jack. Jack. It's in your little, office, little Jack in in my office. But there's there's been so many great ones and and from the fi- time I first met David, um, also the the twenty year relationship uh, for with Mel- Nelson Mandela was always. Um, Always some of my favorite stories as well, and and with the family and with Winnie yeah. and and uh, and we talked about it from the first time we started traveling was you know someday we'll go to South Africa and here we are now we're yeah we're uh, three days away from from leaving and and David's been instrumental in in organizing the trip and and uh, and setting the trip up and in terms of the itinerary and and everything and even talked to the team uh, there was one moment. <laughs> If anybody ever wants to get David Turnley, uh, you know, just to speak to a, to a group, I mean, he's got he's got more stories, he's mm-hmm. got more you know life experience than just about any human being I've ever met, and uh, he gives a tremendous tre- presentation uh, as he did to our team now a couple times, and uh, but one of my favorite things is we had one player, you know, you kind of get to the end, you ask any questions, uh, and so a couple of players were asking asking questions. And there were a lot of good questions, but there was one question that was asked, and I'm going to leave the name out because we like to like to do around here on this podcast to to protect the innocent. <laughs> but one player had asked David, "Well, like, well, how long is this flight, and, and do we have the chairs that can recline backwards?" And uh, David goes. It's a 17-hour flight, and no, your chair will be upright and just go and, and stop asking dumb questions. <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop, and then we moved on to the next thing. This will be an experience of your lifetime. <laughs> just shut up and go. <laughs> yeah, and my thinking was – thanks, Coach. I, my thinking was, and I shared it with him, I, I said, in life, there are people who look at the world on a TV screen on their couches – and then I just looked at the audience, my you know the team coach, and I said, "That's not who you guys are. You you go and play in front of millions of people. Everything you do is examined. You're like the people that got on ships in Genoa, Italy, to go discover the world. You're not these people that sit on couches. So yeah, it's going to be two beverages, a movie, and a meal, and, and then you're in paradise. <laughs> you might have said that. Well, you can watch three or four movies, and then you'll be." In. You're listening to Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. If you like our show, you're going to love Under Review on Podcast One, presented by Bet Online. Get the odds, news, and insights from real industry insiders. This isn't your typical schlocky picks show. Get the real trends and info with your host, Damon D. Download new episodes of Under Review, presented by Bet Online, every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now back to Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's Podcast. You, you, you lived in South Africa. Yeah, so my. Um I was, I went to South Africa. I was working at the Detroit Free Press in Detroit, and I went to a pitch that they send me to South Africa in 1985 in the middle of effectively what we call the struggle or the revolution against apartheid, and then met my son's mother, who was my first wife in 1987. And then um, my work down there, it was a time when the government, so pretty straightforward. It was a minority white population that had come to South Africa in the 1600s, early 1700s, and who effectively created a system of segregation based on race to make sure that the minority was in charge of a majority African population. Um, And that was really the struggle against this system. And that's what Nelson Mandela went to prison for in 1964 with a life sentence, willing, as he said on the dock, he said, I'm my vision of a non-racist, non-sexist South Africa is a vision that I'm happy to live for, but it's also a vision that I'm happy to die for. And he went to prison in 64 for that vision. Well, he was, in 1988, in the middle of the revolution, the government tried to censor the journalists from showing the world what was really happening. And my pictures were starting to go out all over the world in magazines and and I was the 11th journalist in 1988 kicked out of the country for my work, which in those days was a compliment. But it meant I couldn't go back 
I couldn't even get a tourist visa. And my, my first wife and I moved to Paris where I was then based for 10 years. Well, in, in 1990, it's really kind of strange because I, as I said, I couldn't get a visa even to go back and see my in-laws at that time. And, uh, 1990, I get a call in Paris from the uh, second in command of the embassy, Southern Embassy, saying, David Turnley, yes, this is David Turnley, this is second in command of the Southern Embassy, I'd like you to come to lunch with me. And I'm thinking, what is this all about? And I, I, nevertheless, I go to lunch, fancy restaurant, and we sit down. This gentleman pretty quickly tells me a little bit about his own family. And the, his father was one of the men who worked in the government that created apartheid. So I had a sense of what this guy was probably all about. And uh, within, you know, very quickly said, things are about to change. and We want people with your kind of credibility to go back and cover the changes. I said, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to go back under two conditions. He said, yeah, sure. What's that? He said, number one, the, the, the visa that you give me has no conditions that I can photograph anything and everything. And number two, that I buy lunch. I said, well, I don't know why you want to buy lunch. I said, I just want to buy lunch. <laughs> and I got the visa and I went down and it was then a week later that Nelson Mandela was released on February 11th, 1990. When did you take the famous photo of Nelson Mandela in his cell behind the bars? Yeah. Thank look, you, Coach. I mean, yeah. That, that, uh... Yeah, which is the first picture I sent to Coach trying to figure out how I was going to meet him. Yeah. But so that picture, when Nelson Mandela was released... February 11th, 1990, I was then the next night at the... I had known the family very well while he was in prison. I had been asked by Life Magazine to photograph his wife, Winnie, and the family. And uh, that began a, a really big friendship. And then I was invited to be at the dinner table the night he came home from prison. And, um, and really then worked around him as he began negotiating a new country and then running for president. He was elected in 1994. Well, shortly after his release, it was probably two months after, he went back to Robben Island with some of the other political prisoners to visit the cells where they had mm -hmm. been incarcerated. And, and that was when I made that picture of him. And it was really, it was really stunning. I, I started recollecting only recently really what was going on that moment in that picture. He... So he spent much of 27 years in that cell. And when we got into the cell, and we're going to go see it on our trip, our team is, and coaches are going to go to the cell where he was held all of those years on Robben Island. But when we got in the cell, he went over to the window and it was like he went to a place where he was familiar and went just right back looking out that window. And that's mm -hmm. when I made that picture. Is it the same cell that's in the movie Evictus? It is. It's exactly the same cell, and yeah, we'll go and, and see it, and it's it's stunning to go. It's it, It'll be an amazing day for us. Um, we take a ferry from Cape Town across to the island. It's a little bit like going to Alcatraz, and the thing that's um, stunning that we will experience is that as you're as you're going across this bay to the island, you look back and you see one of the most majestic coastlines anywhere in the world. You'll we'll see Table Mountain. And that's what these guys would see from these cells. But they had no access to it for all those That's years. Table Mountain? That's Table Mountain, yeah. And it's it'll be a, a really life-changing, I think, experience for many of us when we go there. Um, and then that day, well, the day before, I'm really excited for this, Coach. We... Um, there's a gentleman, so when Nelson Mandela went to prison in 64, there were 11 other men that went as well for life sentences to the island. But when that happened, there were hundreds of people, activists who had been very important in the struggle, who were forced to go into exile to fight their revolution from outside the country. Well, one of these men who left was a, at the time, a a young white Jewish lawyer, a constitutional lawyer, Albie Sachs, and he went to Mozambique. Well, the government, which in the struggle, people refer to the government as the system, and the system was that. It was a system that tried to eradicate any threat to their status quo. And they viewed people like Albie Sachs as a, as a real threat. And so they planted a car bomb in his car in Mozambique, and they tried to kill him, but they didn't. They, they blew off his arm. And when Mandela was released in 1990, he came back and spearheaded the writing of their their new constitution. Um, and just an amazing guy. And he's going to come talk to our team oh, wow. Um, wow. Um, on the afternoon before we go to the island. So I'm so excited. And I went, Great job, David. Yeah. And, and we're going to give him a 
a jersey with the number four on it. Um, uh, and Coach is going to give him that jersey. He doesn't know that yet. But um, awesome. So I'm really looking forward to you meeting Albie. He's an amazing guy. I, honestly, I, I, I think one of the most amazing people I've had the privilege to meet. So I'm so excited for Coach, who's another one of the amazing men that I've had the opportunity and privilege to know. Um, it's going to be exciting for them to get to know each other and for our team to hear them. Um, one quick thing about Coach Jack Harbaugh, he claims – that he's responsible for my success as a photojournalist when he told me that I probably wasn't going to see playing time as a walk-on. <laughs> and I want to thank Coach, Harb- Coach Jack for that because um, I think he was absolutely right. And uh, I saw a- greatness. Do you remember David? Do you remember David as a player? I don't. <laughs> was, Actually, the truth the is, brother, it, your brother was a punter. He was right? an amazing punter. Before now you, so you didn't play on the defensive side of the ball, right? You were. A receiver? I was trying to. I, I played linebacker. I was a better linebacker than I was a quarterback. I played linebacker and quarterback in high school. My only claim to fame, I can say, in my brief walk-on stand coach, and I am proud of this, is that in a tackling drill, in an Oklahoma drill, Gary Muller stopped the practice, came to me and said, son, where are you from? I said, Fort and He says, turn to the team. He said, if we all hit like that young man does, we'll have a hell of a team this year. That was my one glorious Isn't that moment. amazing? The, the influence that coaches with off-the-cuff remarks can make on lives, just with a comment like that. Now, tell your father now, we have another connection in the Harbaugh family. Am I right? That's true. My father uh, grew up in Akron and um, played at Miami, Ohio. And I found recently a clipping of him with Stu Holcomb and Sid Gilman. And I didn't know who these coaches were. And then, of course, I went to Coach Jack, and he explained who these coaches were. The father of the forward pass, Sid Gilman, right? Nice. And uh, were you? A, uh, how did you get to be on the team? Were you a recruited walk-on, or did you yeah. try out? No, a- I was, Coach. The um, the gentleman who actually told me I'd never seen you play, playing down was Denny Brown. And Denny, was, Denny had recruited me from Fort Wayne Elmhurst High School. In those days, of course, we had game films. We didn't have this, you the know, as it works now. And um, both me and my brother. Now, Peter was an amazing punter. He had... Yeah. A fifty-yard punting average in high school, and uh, but it was before Bo was scholarshiping kickers and punters. Did Peter, did Peter go to Michigan? He did, and he I was he was that. a walk-on punter, and he was kicking better than John Anderson, who was the punter. Really, but he didn't get a look. And uh, we were both told, you know, a few weeks after we started that we they really wanted us to stay out on the scout team, but we probably never see a minute of playing time. And and to be very honest with you, coming from a lousy public high school in Fort Wayne, I I was having my hands full just studying at Michigan and I figured all right I better you know buckle in on that did Peter graduate from Michigan he did yep so amazing amazing journey I mean we uh and and you know we we love the players that uh have walked out of Michigan there's been so many so many really good ones and great ones I mean starting with the the Glasgow brothers mm-hmm. uh, jump in Matt if you want uh and then uh a lot that we've recruited like the Glasgow brothers uh and the the Cessas and the Hewlett's and the Cochrans. There's been so many so many guys. Hunter Reynolds doing an uh, yep. amazing job. And then there's other guys that that we have a a tryout for. It's called a student tryout that we do every January. And about seventy to hundred yeah. kids will try out depending yep. on the year. And we usually we'll uh, take ten to fifteen of those, yep. and and they'll practice with us in the spring and. And maybe half of those will make the the roster when it comes to the fall. And, uh, you know, we did it again this year. And yeah. A couple, I, I think we talked uh, last week about uh, Lampini. But did we, have we talked about Nick Capatina? Ooh. Uh, yeah. Number 20. Number 20. Ooh, I like him. I mean, <laughs> what, what a great spring he had, Nick Capatina. You know the story uh, – you know, Coach, I got to be honest. I'm on the field pra- photographing every day. Yeah. I didn't know who some of these guys were because I'd never seen Nick Capatina. Yeah, yeah, they just show. He just <laughs> well, it's a it's a, it's a great story. So he uh, he's got two sisters and a brother who have both gone to Michigan, and graduated from Michigan. So he played some high. He played ball in high school and it did fairly well. Rest for over a thousand yards, but there was a a, a better back in front of him. Uh, anyway, so we didn't recruit him out of high school. Mm-mm. And he applies to Michigan, gets denied. So he goes to Washtenaw Community College, where he does the 2017 year, and then applies to Michigan again after a year and was denied a second time. Continues at Washtenaw in 2018. He's not playing football there or sports. 
and then uh, applies again after his sophomore year and gets accepted to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Comes to Michigan winter term of 2019 uh, in January. Had heard about the tryout from his brother. His brother had uh, had tried out before, and he had a few friends that had tried out. Yep. And uh, so he tries out, makes it in the February of 19 uh, tryout, and then he's there in spring ball and really became – you know, call him the uh, third string yeah. running back right now on our depth chart. In the spring game, he might have been the he might have player got, of the game. There I was mean, a couple of different players of the game. There was out. practice. There was, they practiced ball to Nick Capitina today. Absolutely. I mean, uh, he really. And he had been out of football for two plus years. Yeah, for yeah. two for two wow. seasons. Novi Central Catholic played for Tom Mack, the legendary. I remember coach. back in the uh, seventies, he was young. <laughs> I remember when he got the job there, this young guy was coming in and everybody wondered would he be able to fulfill the great tradition at Central Catholic. And I think he just retired a year ago, the all-time winner of uh, football games at uh, Central Catholic. But if we did a, if we did a, in our new facility here, we, we put up a walk-on success board. I like uh, Not just players, but Pulitzer Prize winners. <laughs> Through the years. <laughs> Through yeah. the years, you know. CEOs at big companies. Jim Hackett. He was. I think he was scholarship. Really? I think he was. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. I think he was a walk-on. Coach he was Jack. a walk-on? Only because he told me that. Well, then we got to get him up on the board. <laughs> we could put those two right there. The the Do you want to be the chairman of the CEO of Ford Motor Company? Do you want to win a Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> You've got to come here and play football, right? Absolutely. There's, they're, they're, uh, well, that's there's a great research project. Matt Dudek is, is writing found- right now, but... And so many that uh, so many guys that have gone on to to earn scholarships and also play pro football. I mean, there's there's a long list. Uh, uh, Kovacs, uh, yeah, Jordan played with the Dolphins. Kovacs, yeah, yeah. he was he was a walk on. But the greatest story of all about about David Turnley, we were there in Paris and uh, we went through Notre Dame, and uh, I remember walking around Notre Dame, and you wanted to take a shortcut and uh, through an entrance that was. Blocked and several guys with armed <laughs> weapons <laughs> cut you off before you could get through there. And we walked on around and they went to a little cafe around the corner. But it's Il Saint Laurent, Il Saint Louis, Il yeah. Saint. And there were and there were just mobs of people walking around. And we walked across a little bridge, and David Turnley is there. Come on in, guy. I got a seat for you. <laughs> there there no must one. have been twenty-four open seats, yeah. prime seats, right on the right on the walkway. I think Don Brown was there with you, having a cappuccino, and there were yeah, some yeah. there were some players that yeah. were there. Yeah, David knows the, uh, and, the, the and, ev- the- and everybody was moving around. Oh, David, I, I <laughs> the way they're treating you here. I mean, goodness gracious! So we're with David, we're with David Turley. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so I first moved there when I was. 19 for a year I'd taken construction money that I saved in high school and and then in the summers in college and I effectively dropped out of school for a year here and moved to Paris because the photographers whose work I really loved seemed to live in Paris or be French and so I the interesting piece of this is that I lived in a maid's room right next to Notre Dame Cathedral that I paid $75 a month for Um, so when the fire happened last week I rushed back over there and and it was pretty interesting because I, even all these years later, I know all of those shop owners and, uh, and just kind of had to go. Um, but yeah, so I've been going to that restaurant as has my twin brother who's now been going there all these years, 40 years ago. Wow. Um, going to that same restaurant. So yeah, we have a, we, we have pretty good seats at that restaurant and I couldn't have imagined a, a better group that I wanted to make sure had good seats than we were treated with Coach royalty. I mean, it was Jim amazing. and Jack Harbaugh. Oh, and his, no, that was David Turnley. Players. <laughs> so, how did you get into journal? What now? Here you're. You're mm-hmm. here. You come from Fort Wayne. You know, you're, it's you're really, out for football yeah. now. Now, somewhere journalism had to get photojournalism had to get into your life. You know, Coach, I teach photojournalism here. I, I call it documentary photography. But there's something that many people don't think about. So, if you think about young football players, and you know this better than anybody, and how they are, in a sense, bred to learn how to be intuitive in chaos in a horizontal frame. It's exactly what a photojournalist does, if you think about it. Wow. (laughs) So it's very similar. Um, It didn't occur to me. I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever told Coach this, but 
when I was playing high school football, if you had told me that I was going to be a photographer, it would have been the last thing in the world I would have thought. Because I remember looking at, on, at, when I was playing football in high school, I remember seeing photographers on the sidelines and I would think, why don't you guys want to play? It seems so <laughs> passive to be on the sidelines. I did notice they had good girlfriends. But, um, but it really wasn't until Peter tore up a knee in a football injury in high school and he was in the hospital and my dad gave him a book of photographs by an amazing photographer. And then our high school in Fort Wayne, which is an industrial city, our school was only segregated, uh, desegregated our, our sophomore year. We went from having a pretty lousy team to the second team in the state of Indiana, actually. Um, but the point of the story is that when Peter tore up a knee, he had all this free time. Well, our, our black teammates would have to get on buses and go back to the inner city after practice. So we really wouldn't see them. And so we wouldn't see our friends. Well, Peter, when he has this time in his hand, suddenly takes a camera and starts to go into the inner city and photograph. Wow. And he comes back with these amazing photographs. And when I saw what he was photographing... I really understood what I think Dr. King meant by we're all created equal, which is what's equal is human dignity. And Peter was capturing that. And when I saw that you could do that with photography, it was like, that's not passive. That I want to do that. Yeah. And so that was really the how we got into it. And it replaced the same passion. I mean, I wanted to go back to one thing about the Harbaugh's that from the get-go has had complete resonance for me. Is there, And it really was thinking about this conversation we were just having about your respect for walk-ons, which is it's so in sync with everything about the Harbaugh's who believe in this. They talk about it better than I do, but about meritocracy. And I, I love that. Word. I love that. Um, really, it's the one thing that, you know, I come to the football program and it, you see it every day. You see that people get what they deserve. They, they, they get the rewards for their hard work that they deserve. It's not, you know, how much money your parents had or how many fancy degrees from college or this or that. It's what you do. And that's what I love about football and what I love about the way coaches Harbaugh's do football. Um, and it's really what I feel about photography. It, you know, it, it, you can't tell me how great your photographs are. You've got to show them to me. Show me, show them to them. Let me see them. Let me see what's in your photographs. And I like that. I, I also like, like the... Uh most photographers, I mean, got the long lens that goes out about a foot and a half. But you always go with the, the smaller camera. Doesn't even have one of those clip-on yeah, lenses. Thank lens you, and Coach. Like- well, I like that you noticed that. So it's kind of what I was saying when I would see sports, and I, I'm not saying something critical of sports photographers. When I see sports photographers with long lens, sort of at a safe place, you know, think about what I've done mostly with my career is go to war zones, and what I want people to. S- to experience is what it feels like, what it smells like. I want you to, I want you to have some skin in the game. I don't want you to feel like you're safe as if you're watching TV. I want you to feel what it might be like to be in it and, and the, and the grit, the, the work that goes into it. That's what I'm drawn. I'm, I really am drawn to the heart and struggle of it. Just a, a quick point. There's, there's two books out there. The, the first year and last year, right? Last year. Uh, those two books are just fantastic books. The photography that was used in there and how you capture just what you described. And I know those books have to, to be out there where the fans out there, the Michigan fans and the fans of a football program and, and the meritocracy that you speak of. There's got to be a way that they can they can still uh, still get those books. Yeah, I mean, if that, thank you, Coach, for you know that shout out we we have a website enthusiasm unknown to mankind.com i think i think i have that right maybe it's enthusiasm.com i apologize but they are available but i uh and you get the jack harbaugh quotes i didn't want to not want to bring that up thank you jim i was about to say that coach um Yes, and, and, and the tra- and the tra- uh, what do they call that a treatise treatise, treatise. The we didn't tre- know what that word was until david in the first book asked me to write a treatise for the book, and I had to say, well, what's a treatise? <laughs> and then looked it up in the uh, dictionary. And, and, then- and, and I just went back the other day. We have these on our coffee table at home, and amazing the, the people yeah, that come right. through that, that leaf through them. But I read that again. That, the treatise? That is about it's concise awesome. and on point. It's unbelievable. To what building a football program or building any kind of program or business or whatever, spot 15 points, right? 15 points 15 that were points. in there. Uh, it might have been 16, but fit right around 15 or 16. And, uh, you know, there's some people that have actually come up to me and said they've read that. They've read that treatise and how impressed they were with it. And nothing, nothing makes me happier if somebody actually read it. There's been about a, 
you know, not that many people have actually said that they've read it or come up and, and commented on it, but uh, I get a big thrill out of that because that was so much work. It was 9,000 words. Wow. And uh, That's a lot any, of words. anybody who writes a book now, I have the ultimate respect for, for being able to write a book. Uh, and that was very shy of an actual book size. Wow. And to confirm, it is enthusiasmunknowntomankind.com and, and then has them too. You can walk in and, yeah. and grab them and... I have them on my. That's where we, we always get them from the end. Then, mm-hmm. and they make. That's pretty much our usually our Christmas gifts every year. We'll uh, send that book out. I have two. I have them on my coffee table, and I've sent them out as gifts. Terrific books and a terrific conversation. David with and Dave I signed. How many did we signed? We must have signed a couple signed thousand. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was Coach. that day. That was. I always signing. feel bad because it means I have to take Coach for, away from what he's doing every day, which is a really things. We, but we enjoyed doing it, and we'll we'll do another one or two or three or four or five. But we've got. I, I, believe me, I'm I'm not going away, um, and I I think we're on the verge of a really amazing season. I here to tell you. And if you so want to see the, uh, about that. you want to see his great work, we just come into the stadium work. early, watch your team work out, oh, yeah. and they show the slideshow before every yeah. game. Great music behind it. The slideshow is always every playing, game. and yep. make sure everybody. I always tell people, they're like, "When do I get to the stadium?" I'm like, well, go in early. You watch warmups, then you watch the David Turnley slideshow, then you watch the band come out, and then team touches the band and you roll. He, he's amazing putting the uh, putting the slideshow together, but he also p- puts it to music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know where you, where you find the time to do all the things you do, David. But uh, back at your coach. It's amazing. I um, you know, I don't know of any other program that has given anyone the access coach gives me from the first day that he bought in on this. It was full in as he does everything, and I can't be more thankful. It's such an honor to be amidst the Harbaugh's every day and their spirit and their energy and and the Michigan football team. Um, you know, I get very emotional about it. It's uh, uh, it's an incredible privilege. That I'd never take for granted. What was the gal's name in Selma that we met? She was yeah. running for mayor. Did mm-hmm. she ever make mayor? So when we were in Selma, we met with a young woman who I had met when I'd gone down to do a trip through the Deep South 40 years after the Civil Rights Movement. And I'd gone to the Selma Public High School and met Jeria Martin, who was yeah. at that time the class president. And she went to Morehouse College and did very well, was top of her class, I think class president. Then she went to the Princeton Divinity School and came back and then ran for mayor in Selma. She did not win, but she's doing amazing things down in Selma, Alabama. And 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 um, Juria and Coach met that day. We went with our some of the other coaches to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and experience what it might have been like the day that Dr. King led the civil rights march that went from Selma to Montgomery. It was one of the important civil rights marches of the 1960s. And uh, I know that both... Coach injury had a, a I think a, a I know Juria speaks very highly of oh, that meeting. Oh, we had a great that was a great meeting and uh, we had lunch. What was the place we went into for lunch? And they had they had an M banner that was uh, yeah right next to the bridge. Yeah, that it's, was awesome. Yeah, uh, interestingly, that p- restaurant is owned by the county sheriff that actually instigated the charge on the marchers that day. It's 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 it's. Uh, uh, yeah, could be. Jack Harbaugh now putting his Jack. I was rubbing my eyes there. I had my mic on. <laughs> I think it was. I think I'm it was, back. <laughs> I think it was Sheriff Clark, the county sheriff of Dallas County in Selma, and now his niece, I believe, owns that restaurant. But they have a big yeah. Michigan banner as as one finds anywhere in this country. It's always amazing. And you'll see in South Africa. I was just over there a month ago, and. Um, uh, Coach Harbaugh is a, a household name. Amongst, it's an incredible sports culture down there. And, uh, of course, rugby and, and soccer having been – well, and, and equally tennis and athleticism. They, they have great – sports is everything down in South Africa. In fact, something are the, that – Are the box still the – bo- what are they? The bots? The, um, the box, the spring box. Spring box. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really, you know, one of the great stories that um, – we know because Coach had the team see this movie, Invictus, but when Nelson Mandela comes out of prison and is elected president, there was a movement in the African community, given what had happened to Africans under apartheid. And rugby was at that time really the white sport in South Africa. And so there was a movement when in the new South Africa under President Mandela to buy some in the African community to get rid of the Springbok 
uh, title and the, the, the Springbok flag. Um, and Nelson Mandela, you know, immediately said, no, that's, that's why we went to prison to not do what they did to us, to embrace everyone's cultural heritage in this country. And then he, understanding that uh, and believing so much in that vision, went straight to the captain of the team, who we may have a chance to meet when we're down there this time, and basically said, you can help change this country. And the captain looked at him, and, and they didn't have a particularly good team that year. It was 96 Cup, and uh, but they, he said, you need to help me win the World Cup. Yeah. And, and they won. And they yeah. won. You guys have a great trip. He's got a great trip planned for you guys when you guys leave in a couple of days. Have a lot of fun in South Africa. Lead them, uh, lead them on a lot of fun. Sounds like it's going to be a, an amazing experience for these guys. Uh, some have never left the country, the ones that haven't been on the previous trips, and of course some have been now. This will be the third abroad trip that they're going to take. Yeah, and I think just quickly to, you know, again, pay credit to Coach Harbaugh and to Ward Manuel and their vision of the importance of, of um, our players having the opportunity to become world citizens and leaders. And, and I have had firsthand the opportunity these last two years going to Rome and Paris to see how incredible it is for these players. And, and you literally see them at the end of the trips get off the plane walking a little taller. And I'm really proud of that. So, yeah, we're really excited. I think this is going to be a really special trip. Yeah. I mean, we're all really – me and my dad were talking about it the other day. Do you realize the juniors on this team have been to Rome, Paris, and now they'll so go to South Africa? And, um, David, you were with me. The, so the, the day I thought of it, you know, the day I thought of this idea, I was on a, I was on a plane from, uh, from Ann Arbor to Baltimore, and uh, – David, you were there, um, and Biff Pogey picked me up at, at the uh, airport in Baltimore, and, uh, and I said to you guys, okay, you too, this is something you're going to be the first person to ever hear this, I'm going to bounce this off of you right now, what do you think about, you know, taking the team on an educational trip, you know, like 12th grade uh, classes sometimes do, they'll go yep. to Washington, D.C., yep. or they'll go to Rome, uh, what do you think about that, and and uh, both thought it was a great idea, and and actually, Bit Poji was one of the original. I mean, he organized that first trip <clears throat> to um, to Rome, and uh, you know, just uh, amazing, amazing, uh, amazing for us all to be able to do this. And, as a the, team. and the rest of that story is in Baltimore. There was a satellite camp, if I recall. There was later that evening. Later, <laughs> later that, that evening. evening, I can recall after the satellite camp, we were going to a restaurant. John was driving the car. That's right. And I was sitting in the passenger side, and you were in the back seat. Yep. And I remember you leaning up and putting your hands on our shoulders, and you saying, "I've got a great idea that I've not shared with anyone." I had shared it with David and uh, I know but that, that was the, we actually hashed it out that morning. We, <laughs> but that was not told until now. I thought John and I were the first ones, and you and made I, us promise. Since not we to were, tell anybody. Since we were the only one, I can remember it. Since we were the only ones that knew, we had to pledge. In fact, I don't tell me if we're the only. That's what you said. <laughs> Both my dad and John, my dad, my dad, and my brother said. Well, guys, don't tell me because I might tell somebody. <laughs> Not knowing that it's already been shared. <laughs> yeah, I remember that so well. And it was, you know, to state the obvious, it was at a time that Coach was already doing something that no one had ever done in giving players around the country the opportunity to come to these camps that were being led by a Super Bowl coach, Coach Harbaugh, and the, the Michigan coaching staff but also a chance to interact with a university like the University of Michigan that otherwise they wouldn't have the opportunity to come and visit because their families might not have the means to do yeah. these visits. Um, but Sometimes it 20 and 30 other, other colleges actually coming to them where they could go to a camp and yep. you know, pay $25, $30, $40 to go to a camp, not have to travel to 20 different universities. I mean, it was, it was an amazing, wonderful thing uh, that's you since don't rem- been ruled – out. You don't remember me, but I, I worked a camp with you in Utah. You you wouldn't have remembered me. We had no interaction, but I was at one of the all-poly camps with the Michigan staff a, a, in Utah. I remember that camp very, very well. Yep. But you don't remember you don't Dude, remember, no, I don't remember I don't remember. Uh, we, 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 we didn't meet. Um, the only person I, t- I spoke to was uh, Chris Bryant. 
because uh, I, I had recruited him uh, to Pitt at that time before that. And I saw him. I was like, hey, what's going on? We interacted. Um, so, But I actually worked one of those camps where you were at. Small world. Great camps. I mean, universities from all over the country would all come together. How's that working out, those satellite camps? Are we, they, they pretty much abolished it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they pretty much got it banned. Yeah. So the the new rule is that uh, it, it can only be on a college campus, and each school is only allowed to go 10 to 10, 10 days worth of camps. Yep. And they don't allow them on high school campuses anymore. Uh, and the, camp, the high schools used to used to do very well. I mean, they would they would earn all the money. Yeah. None of the great college, fundraiser for a program that don't have money. Know, it was yeah. a great it was a good fundraiser every year for each for each high school. But mm-hmm. in the infant wisdom, uh, that was and only the coaches can go and the GA. So off field staff can't. Analysts, myself, we can't go anymore. I remember distinctly we were in Prattsville, Alabama, and I'm standing on the sideline. We've been doing three of these a day all three over day. the south, <laughs> and I'm standing on the sideline, and suddenly. Um, Coach wants them to play. What did you call that game? We would Pro play ball. at the end. Yeah, it was Pro yeah, Pro ball. So it's a it's a mixture of uh, of football, chaos, soccer. You're not kicking any. You, know, you can you can kick it. You can basically one team has to try to get the ball to the other end by any means necessary, and the other team's trying chaos. to get it was it's great though. Yeah, it was good. It was awesome. And I'm standing on the sideline. I've been doing this now for a few days. I photograph just about anything and everything I can try to figure out how to photograph. And as a photogra- photographer, you're always thinking, you know, what could I do that's going to make an interesting new kind of photograph? And I just couldn't come up with any new ideas. And suddenly coach throws off his shirt, and jumps in, in Peru ball. And there are these two young players, high school players from Prattsville standing next to me. And I, one said the other, how would you not like to go play fo- football with a guy like that? I mean, I want to go play with that guy. And what I always try to tell people, it was shirts and skins. Does and it was like not- 90. Hey, did you were like, why'd you take your shirt off? Why? It was shirts, shirts and, and skins. skins. I was on the skins. <laughs> did you see today the coach for the Seattle Seahawks? Pete Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll. Took his shirt off. Took yeah. his shirt off. Yeah. You took your shirt off. I mean, it was it was national news. National news. <laughs> he takes his off. We laugh and we high five. What a great guy. <laughs> oh. David, thank you for your time. The Enjoy most the trip. interesting man in the world, David Turnley. Oh gosh, really an Second honor. That. A total honor to be a part of this program with Coach Harbaugh <laughs> and with Coach Jack Harbaugh and, and thank these you. players. Thank you guys. Hashtag Jack Talk will return next week in an extended form here on the podcast. You can contact us on Twitter at AED Podcast or by using hashtag Jack Talk. Follow us, favorite us, and subscribe to us on PodcastOne.com and the Podcast One app. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We want to thank our great guest, David Turnley, for joining us here on the podcast today. We also want to thank Podcast One and our sponsors, True Car and Pluto TV. Have a great week and keep attacking each day, everybody, with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Thank you for listening to Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, here on Podcast One. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or Apple Podcasts.